Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Well, thank you. Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem America. Today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Marsha Thompson. The New York Times describes her voice as a warm, agile soprano with a secure technique. Opera News stated of her pace pace mio dio that she sang with a cascade of refined yet plush Italianate sound. An expertly introspective performance. Ms. Thompson has performed with Tetro Municipal de Sao Paulo, Union Avenue Opera, New York City Opera, New York Grand Opera, Opera Carolina, and Mississippi Opera, to name a few. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say that Marsha Thompson is what's hot. Hello there, Marsha. Hi, how are you, GK? Thank you so much for that introduction. And your pronunciation My. was very good. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's because I, I, I took Latin in school, Latin and Italian. And, you know, kind of, yeah, you know, you know, I've, I've wanted to have you on for quite a while. And I believe the last time I may have seen you, we were all dancing, I think, at Soundstage one year with uh, Dr. Bob Lee was hosting and, and behind Soundstage behind the stage of a few people dancing. I think that's the last time I saw you, unless I saw you at Harlem. Did I see you at Harlem? That was, that was a while ago. That was, yes, yes that, that was possibly was the last time. And I think that that day, um, Claudia Hayden was playing. The, that's right. The got- flautist who, whose family is also from Louisiana, where I'm from originally. So Claudia um, Hayden was performing and she as always was phenomenal that day and I think that was the last time I saw you in person right she, she, she's a great flautist and uh but let me say this though I was conceived in New Orleans and oh, born in Chicago I see okay so, well, there so you go. yeah so there's some connection there you know I mean I, I, bet, you, I bet you make great gumbo too don't you I, well, I could, but I'm allergic to shellfish. Oh. <laughs> it's so sad. I grew up eating everything. I ate scallops, oysters, shrimp. I just, I ate everything when I was growing up in Louisiana. And something happened when I turned 18 and I just started having allergic reactions. And my mom said, well, you overdosed. And your body said, that's enough. No more for you. You've had too much iodine already. <laughs> uh, I was really sad because I'm obviously growing up in Louisiana. You want to continue to eat all of that for as long as you can. But it's probably a good thing because it's bad for your cholesterol. <laughs> that's great. That, that's great. Uh, so where in, in Louisiana did you grow up, actually? I actually grew up in the northern part of the state, Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport, Okay which is about two and a half hours east of Dallas on I-20. Mm-hmm, so and mm-hmm. I-20 goes all the way to Atlanta, right? Right, so, right. So that's where I grew up. And my dad is from a town called Homer, Louisiana, which is also in the northern part of the state. 
Hmm. And uh, but when you leave my parents' house and you drive, well, well, if you're driving from Texas towards Louisiana, uh, there's a sign that says "Bienvenue à Louisiane." <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, so what we're holding that? on. We're holding on to those French roots, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so and that sign is about. 25 minutes from my parents' house. So really? we crossed the Texas and Louisiana state border. So wow, incredible. So yeah, well now <laughs> well well let's keep along uh this vein because I always have my special guests. Uh we always uh, take the Wayback Machine. And so let's take the Wayback Machine and tell me what was it like growing up uh, as little Marsha Thompson? Wow, that's a good question. I was actually born in Corpus Christi, Texas on the Gulf of Mexico, my dad was in the Coast Guard and he was in avionics and he did avionics mechanics, but he also participated in rescue missions in the Gulf of Mexico. Really? Wow. And so I was born on the Naval base there in Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. And my mom said, when I started talking, I, we had, we had some Mexican um, neighbors and she said you spoke it to your friends that you played with when you were about two and three she said you played with them and you spoke Spanish and English <laughs> and I said really so Spanish was my first foreign language <laughs> I had no idea and uh, because of course you won't when you moved to Louisiana so when we moved to Louisiana when I was three um, I started attending a school called Montessori school for children in, in Shreveport, Louisiana. And Montessori, as many people know, um, uh, she is from Italy and she devised this teaching style where children were responsible for choosing how they wanted to learn and mm -hmm. the lessons that would help them learn mathematic concepts and reading mm -hmm. concepts. And so I went to Montessori school well, at the Montessori school in Shreveport, they taught us French. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then French became my first language that I actually remember speaking. So. Bonjour, comment vas-tu? Très bien, merci. Et toi, pas ma merci. Zé, la danse en doux. Yes, Ah, très bien. C'est un bon accent. Oh, wow. Okay, so now we got three languages down with you. Yes, right. so I was a little so so my love of languages and just to you know mention that about my upbringing, my love of languages was spawned from the uh, um, the 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 access and the exposure that I had at a young age, and so I always loved languages. I always had this idea that yes, I'm growing up in Midtown, Louisiana. But I had these broad ideas about what I wanted my life to look like and how I wanted to travel at a very young age and experience using the languages that I have been exposed to. So, but I was also uh, very much also a tomboy. <laughs> I like dresses. To believe. Looking at you, it's hard to believe. <laughs> I've always liked being a girl in that I liked wearing girl clothes, but I liked boy activities. So I always <laughs> wanted to play football. Really? <laughs> I wanted to climb trees. I wanted to dig in the mud for crawfish and frogs like my neighbors. <laughs> and I did, I did. Really? I had 
I did all of that. I had the, when they, when they were out in the creeks digging for crawfish and frogs, I wanted to be right there with the boys because the <laughs> girls were inside playing with dolls. And oh, for me, that was so boring. I was thinking to myself, <laughs> after you style her hair a couple of times, then, you know, what else is there? <laughs> Wow. And also the boys had Hot Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you, uh, looking at you uh, and from all the photos that people will see when they go to your wonderful website, which is called MarshaThompson.com, uh, so it would be hard to believe that you enjoy being a tomboy. Or I did. did I don't know I don't know if you still do or not but you know I did yeah well now I I do love outdoor activities still to this day I love the outdoor I love to hike and um, and of course I've done other things but mostly hiking is my big thing that I enjoy doing and so whenever I'm able to go upstate or find a place in Texas to hike and I have pictures of that that I've shared on Facebook. I don't really share them on Instagram, but they're definitely on my Facebook page. I see. So <laughs> now uh, you also started out in your early life as a musician. I did. I was a, a musician very early on. We were watching um, the Today Show. Mm -hmm. And also my parents would make me, the way that my parents trained me to be patient and to sit still as a child is they would make me sit down and watch PBS every week. And I would have to watch classical music shows that they would show on PBS. So the Boston Pop Symphony, or they would take me to an outdoor symphony concert when we lived in Houston and, and was we lived in Corpus Christi, then Houston and Shreveport. And um, so my parents were progressive in that way and that they wanted to make sure that I was very much exposed to other, to, to culture. And, um, and so I uh, enjoyed um, uh, watching people play instruments on television at an early age. So we were watching the Today, the Today Show and they had a group of young children playing the violin and talking about the Suzuki violin method. And I looked at my at the at television. And I said, "Well, mommy, I said, well, what is that thing that they're playing? How are they pulling it across that that mm -hmm. instrument?" And she said, "Well, that's a bow." And she said, "And they pull the bow across the strings, and that's how they produce the sound." And I kept observing the little kids playing on television, and I said, "Yeah, I can do that." <laughs> and my mom <laughs> said, "What do you mean you can do that?" She said, "You have to have lessons." I was like, "No, no, no." I said, you don't understand. I already know that I can do that. <laughs> she wow. said, and she says, well, why don't we just call someone and see if they have lessons in Shreveport and maybe we can get you some lessons so you can actually learn how to do what it is you think you already know how to do. <laughs> and I did. I started taking lessons when I was five years old and, uh, and I started playing violin and I went to school, went to college on a violin scholarship. And mm -hmm. I went to about three or four schools and auditioned as a junior in high school. And I thought that I was going to be an orchestral violinist. So mm -hmm. of course I applied for conservatories and I was in, invited to go to the Johns Hopkins Conservatory of Music Peabody Institute. Mm -hmm. 
And then I got into Xavier and um, uh, in uh, not Xavier in New Orleans, but Tulane and Loyola in New Orleans, and then University of Houston and a couple of other places. But of course, I wanted to go to Peabody Institute. And my dad said, well, no, <laughs> you're not going away from home. That's too far from home. <laughs> you can't go that far. And so I ended up choosing the University of Houston because there was a famous violinist who taught there for many years. She was the first woman to win the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto competition. Wow. And her name is Fridell Lack. She lived to be about 103 years old. She just died a few years ago. Really? And so she was my, my violin teacher when I first attended the University of Houston. So that's what I decided to do. And then, of course, I could drive home on the weekends and see my parents, or they could come and check on me because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't so far away. <laughs> wow. Well, okay, so so now you become this uh, violinist. And how now did you put down, what made you put down the violin to travel the world and sing opera? I, so, in, so before I started singing opera, I went to music festival um, summer programs in high school. And one summer, my parents put me on a bus to Lawrence, Kansas. By myself, I was 16. I don't know if you can do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they put me on a bus. And I rode all the way from wherever the bus started. I don't even know if it started in Louisiana or if, I, if my parents drove me to Dallas and we got the bus from there. But I rode to Lawrence, Kansas, to KU for a summer music program. And I was there for a whole month. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, the conductor of the Harlem Boys Choir was oh. also there conducting the choral students that summer. Mm -hmm. And all of the orchestra people had to sing in choir because when you get to college, there's a class called sight singing and sight reading. And so you have to sing while you read music. And a lot of instrumentalists have a very difficult time doing that, but we can play it. But they're not, we can't always, some of us can't always sing it, right? <laughs> so all of, they made all of the orchestra students sing in the chorus. And there was an audition for a solo and I won. Really? But they told me, they said, you can't be the only soloist because we have our choir students to con consider. And so we're going to split the solo and you're gonna share the solo with one of the choral students. And I said, okay, it was fine <laughs> with me because I was just doing it for fun, but she uh -huh. was mad. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he said, well, why do I have to share my solo with her? She's not even a real singer. <laughs> and so, and the, and the choral conductor asked me, he said, uh, have you ever considered singing? And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to be a singer. I said, this is just something I want to do for fun. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, I got to college at the University of Houston and all of the orchestra players have to play in the opera pit for the mm -hmm. school opera. Mm -hmm. And the first opera I ever played for was Handel's Alcina. Okay. So I was sitting in the pit and it is a, what we call a Baroque opera. It's from the Baroque period, the Baroque era. 
And it is very, how should I say, it's not densely composed. So there's a lot of time during the course of the opera where instruments are not playing. So I was sitting in this pit and I had like 32 bars of no playing. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm counting the music, counting my measures. And I'm counting and I'm looking on stage and I said, yeah, they're having way more fun than us. <laughs> and that's when I said, hmm, maybe I should try and do that instead because they were singing in foreign languages. They were in costume on stage and it just seemed like a lot more fun. And also I would still be using my music education to do something in a field that I love, but I would also be using my language skills as well. So I started taking voice lessons with the guy who was actually Beyonce's first voice teacher. Oh, really? <laughs> so in Houston, at the University of Houston, he was a master's degree student. Mm -hmm. His name is David Lee Brewer. And uh, he taught Destiny's Child when they were very young. And now I'm dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> and um and so i i walked into the practice room one day and i knocked on his door and i said hey i want to learn how to sing and he looked at me i was very very eccentric i had the big hair you know the natural hair that people are wearing now wasn't actually so popular in the deep south back mm -hmm. in the during the time when i was in college <laughs> so i had the big natural hair I had the alligator skin violin case. I had on the wow. really short shorts and, the, you know, I was super eccentric. And I walked in and I said, I want to learn how to, to sing. And he saw my violin case. He said, why? And I said, I don't know. I just think that I'm going to be like, you know, Aretha Franklin. Or, and I started naming all these Dionne Warwick. And he says, okay. And after three lessons, he said to me, he says, no, you are not going to sing like Aretha Franklin or Dionne Warwick. He said, you're going to sing like Leontine Price. Oh, wow. Get down. And I said, well, who is that? <laughs> and he said, you need to go to the listening lab and listen to Leontine Price sing. And so when I heard her sing and I saw her picture and I said, oh, this is the lady from the United Negro College Fund commercials. Remember? Leontine mm -hmm. Price used to sing on a United Negro College fund commercial. Right. And I said, oh my gosh, I've seen her before. I just didn't know her name, right? And I listened for about an hour. And after that, I said, he's right. I am going to be an opera singer. Wow. Uh, that's a beautiful story. <laughs> Can we leave it there for a moment? We yes. must take a short break. Uh, yes. And we'll be right back. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander and my special guest, this uh, Friday is Miss Marsha Thompson, and we'll be right back with more of her story, uh, telling us how she became this soprano uh, in the opera world. We'll be right back. Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at 
Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America Radio Podcast Talk Show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, and don't forget to check out our website at harlemamerica.com. We've got some great articles there, if I must say so myself, of course. And we've got some great uh, TV shows as well as uh, our radio podcasts. And today our guest is Marsha Thompson. I've wanted to uh, speak with Marsha for quite some time, so we have that opportunity. And Marsha, tell us now, we left off with you discovering uh, the the famous operatic... uh, uh, diva, uh, and uh, then you went on. Uh, tell us more, please. Yes. Well, you know, after I discovered uh, Miss Price, Miss Lantine Price, and then I just started listening to all of the great uh, Black American divas. You know, from from Shirley Barrett to Jesse Norman, Kathleen Battle. There's also Felicia Weathers. There was just there were just so many Maria Ewing who recently passed away, uh, and I just really just um, fell in love with the art form. I had not really been exposed to opera, but I was always a classical musician, so it was easy for me to make the transition and to understand the style of the repertoire and to also learn the languages. So. In college, I finally decided to change my major. My parents were very upset <laughs> because they had just bought me a new violin. And you know, violins are expensive. Oh, yes. It costs as much as a car, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, so they, they said, well, you know, if you're going to do this, then you're going to be responsible for paying for this aspect of your your um, your." education and I said I don't have a problem with that and so we, we came to an agreement and I, I moved on and I still continued to play I gigged a lot 
in Texas at, in regional orchestras mm. and um, doing weddings and, and all kinds of parties. And it was really a great time. I was singing and playing. Wow. So in college, not too many people can make money singing, <laughs> singing and playing violin. So <laughs> um, that was great. And um, so I just, just using the languages and, and also in college, when you change your major, when you're studying voice, you have to choose two languages to, to master, if you will. And my choices were Italian and German, since I had already taken so many years of French. That's so, five languages now. <laughs> so now that's five languages. And I don't speak anything fluently anymore. But I could, you know, mm -hmm. I think being in a place immersed for about two or three months, you, you catch on and then you start, you know, your vocabulary comes back to you and, and then you're just, you're off to the races. But yeah. Mm. Well, let me but ask I you. I still use, meet people that I speak with from time to time. Yes. You do. Oh, great. Okay. So uh, help Harlem and the Harlems of the world understand opera. What is the definition of, of opera? Well, opera is life set to music, life events, life instances set to music, formed, excuse me, and performed with the classical voice, bel canto. And I have to take a break. I wish they had buzzed me <laughs> when when we were uh, on break, but let me get this because I have to. Thank you. Okay. So uh, we're with uh, Ms. Marsha Thompson, and she is quite a star. And be sure to go to her webpage, MarshaThompson.com, and you'll be able to hear some of her brilliant performances and, and, and see her in costume. And you'll be able to to see how the audience just stands up on their feet and, and, and gives her uh, rave applause. Uh, uh, yes, go to her website. Okay, I'm back. That was, You're my, back? Laundry. That was my laundry delivery. <laughs> I put it right outside the door. I don't get it. <laughs> well, I, I got a, a chance. Mix up. It wasn't supposed to happen during this time, but there was a mix-up. So well, anyway, hey. <laughs> well I, I got a chance to promote your website and, and, and all that. You. So it was great. Uh, that was wonderful. So, so yeah, you. so you were telling us that, that, harp, that, that opera is life sung to, well, uh, so life stories condensed into a script, right? Mm -hmm. um, and set to music. And of course, modern musical theater was spawned from opera, right? So we wouldn't have musical theater if, if it weren't for opera. Really? Exactly. Modern oh. musical theater only exists because there is opera. So if people really want to understand how musical theater occurred, you, there are so many different operas that you can go see, you can attend to get a better understanding of the, the original art form. And so most operas, when you attend them, they have the synopsis in the program, but they also have the, hold on, they also have 
uh, a lot of, well, I'll, I'll let Marcia tell us. Someone came to her door and she's now answering the door. And welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. <laughs> oh, these things happen, folks. Oh, hey, don't forget to, to uh, check out Harlem America TV. We've got some great uh, shows. In fact, some of these shows that uh, we're doing here on the podcast, you'll be able to see on Harlem America TV, the actual uh, video. And I think she's approaching. I'm so sorry. This is not supposed to be happening right now, but it is. So I'm going to put you guys on mute. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah. So check out our shows, our TV shows in Harlem, America. And uh, you'll find that we've got some uh, wonderful shows. We've also got uh, articles that are written about our culture. And we're trying to connect Harlem with the Harlems of the world. We've got some great uh, things happening this summer. We'll be featuring the Harlem Week activities again this year, Harlem Week 2022. So you can check us out there. And uh, we've got, let's see what else going on. Oh, Jim Beatty has a African-American golf classic happening August 27th through the 30th or 31st, and uh, we plan to be down there. Harlem America plans to be there. I'll talk to some of the uh, the, the golfers and the uh, folks uh, who are luminaries in the golf world. So we're back now with the, the lovely Miss Marsha Thompson. <laughs> and uh, so, Marsha, I didn't know if you needed any help. I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was getting ready to run over there and uh, See if right, some because we're also neighbors, G. Keith. It's Harlem, America. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we're, we're all neighbors. And had he persisted, I might have called for your assistance. <laughs> and I'd have put down my headphones, turned the mic away, and <laughs> ran right on over there, you know? Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So, but anyway, so, uh, yes, so in opera... That's what we do. We tell stories. And a lot, most of the stories are very salacious. Most yeah. of them are about sex and murder and incest and, and adultery. And <laughs> that's what people don't realize, that the stories are always very salacious and interesting. And now with new opera, uh, there are a lot of new operas being written about also salacious stories, but about stories of our time. There was Fire Shut Up In My Bones by um, Terrence Blanchard that they just did at the Metropolitan Opera, the first opera produced by the Metropolitan Opera by a black composer. Mm. And it was about Fire Shut Up In My Bones, the, the opera based upon the book by Charles Blow. Oh, New, York so Times, a lot of, New York Times writer. Uh, exactly, so yeah. we have a lot of new operas as well being written for the stage by Black composers, by American composers of all races, which is very exciting because the industry has opened itself up to diversity and inclusion and making sure that everyone's voice and story is heard and told. So it's not just the old-fashioned Italian opera or old-fashioned German opera that you will hear when you go to your local opera company. 
Oh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I was going to, that was another question I was going to get to, but I, but I must go back to the salacious love and tragedy and, 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 and <clears throat> I had no idea that, okay, it, it's, it's wonderful, it's wonderful to see the costuming and, and to hear the music and, and to hear the language spoken that you don't know what they're talking about, uh, but somehow you get caught up in the, the uh, gestures of the performer, uh, the, the passion. Summer. Yes, you yes. know, and, and yes. but I had no idea that it was all about sex and uh, salaciousness. And, and, and what else did you say? Yes, and, and, and murder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Intrigue, everything. So, well, obviously there are super titles mm -hmm. over the top of the stage at opera companies, we have super titles. Mm -hmm. And at companies like the Metropolitan Opera, there are titles, translation titles on the back of the chair in front of you. Really? So you can see what is being sung about as it is happening right in front of you. So well, I'm in but I'm sorry, or continue. so really what it is really if you're going to see a traditional an old traditional opera it's like a live foreign film <laughs> it's like a live foreign film and that's what i tell most people when they when they ask me about opera traditional opera and going to see it whereas new opera is mostly in english in this country obviously and um it too is there are also super titles for that. And it's, 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 we have a lot of wonderful new shows that are being produced right now, so. Well, I like many of our listeners and viewers right now. Uh, well, I'm embarrassed to say that I've not been to a full-fledged card-carrying opera yet. However, you've just given me insight in as to it won't be as I shouldn't say difficult to understand because of now you say that they have the uh, the super titles to the super titles and also the, if I'm sitting I can see at the back of the person that's in front of me I, right. I can yeah okay so that's you can pretty see cool. they're right in front of you so of course they're called super titles because super means high mm -hmm. or above super mm -hmm. and the subtitles are below okay. so. So usually people are thinking about foreign film and they're thinking about the subtitles being at the bottom of the screen, right? Mm -hmm. We have super titles there above the stage. So it's very, very easy to look up and to see the action as it happens simultaneously. Fantastic. Now, I, I, I read somewhere where there was a debate. Some two people were debating over whether or not Hamilton was an opera. It's not. Okay, <laughs> that, that debate is over. Okay, boom. <laughs> Hamilton is not an opera. And a lot of people, and there are some aspects of some of the new operas that are not opera. And a lot of people don't understand that an opera is what we call through composed. There is no stopping and starting within an opera with regard to the action and the how should I say, the progress of the music. So the music doesn't say, ba -dum 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 -dum, <laughs> like you have in musical theater, right? Right, right. That is, that is musical theater. In opera, there may be a final chord 
There may be an ending chord, but that ending chord is always moving into the next musical moment. And it's called through composed. And that's the difference between opera and musical theater. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that lesson. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now you, you, you've performed in Aida and Tusca and, and many others. Uh, have you always been the, the woman that everyone's lusted after or, uh, you know, uh, am I, am I always the woman who dies at the end? (laughs) (laughs) Who is the the love interest? (laughs) Who is the the star of the show? (laughs) The answer is yes. Oh, great. Okay. (laughs) I've always in every opera I've sung, I've always been the the leading lady as, Mm -hmm. as a lot of people would say. Yes. So if the name of the opera is Aida, I'm Aida. Okay. <laughs> Tosca, I'm Tosca. <laughs> if it's not named after the woman, I'm usually the main woman. <laughs> I see, I see. Yes, yeah, so it's it's been wonderful. I've been very fortunate, I will say that. Um, when I was in college, I had a wonderful uh, uh, stage director who ran our program. He also was one of the teachers at the theater program, which consequently is where David Parsons, I think that's his name, Dave Parsons, or uh, Pearson is his name, Dave Pearson. He was on um, that show. Um, oh, God, now I can't think of the name of the oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember, yeah, with it's, the, it's the, a, the... It's a the, show, it's The Big Bang Theory. Yes. He was on the Big Bang Theory. He was in the theater program at my school when I was in the opera program. Mm. So the same, and this is what people don't understand about opera, which is why I think it's very sad that we don't have more cross-genre mixing, like Mm. TV, film, opera, musical theater. There should be more cross-genre mixing, if you will, because... We, well, opera singers specifically, we're trained in all of the genres. So we're trained to act and move and sing. We may not take um, legit dance classes, but we do take movement classes. And so, and there are lots of opera singers who can move, who can do choreography. So um, he was over the theater program and then I had a wonderful orchestral director at the University of Houston who I had worked with in the opera pit. Uh, he, may I, I'm sorry, we, we must take a break. But you have to you take hold, another break. Yes, but can you hold that thought? Hold that thought. When we come back, we're going to find sure, out what sure, happened sure, sure, sure. in the opera pit. Uh, yes, and, yes, yes. And, with the and director we'll have, and the conductor. That's right. And we'll have more with Marsha Thompson when we return to Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? 
Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Well, thank you so very, very much there, Kevin. Uh, we are now with Marsha Thompson down in the pit. And we're going to find out uh, more of her story right now. Down in the pit. Well, yeah. long story short, I was very, like I said, I was eccentric, but I was also, how should I say, not afraid to ask for what I want at an early age. And I guess I must have gotten that from my mother. And, uh, and I would walk into the orchestra conductor's office and the opera director's office at the beginning of the semester. And I would say, well, what operas are you all planning on doing? And he said, well, I really can't tell you what we're planning on doing, but what is it that you would like to do? And we would have a conversation and I would say, well, I wanna sing this. I had a whole list of operas I wanted to sing, right? Mm -hmm. So when it, when it came time for him to do casting, he would take that into consideration and cast me accordingly which was really great, was, was really a great experience for me because I was able to sing leading roles in college. Uh -huh. So I had a resume of leading roles before I left college, which a lot of singers don't have when they leave college. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, all right, well, what has opera meant to your life? Well, it's, a, it's an unconventional life. We are contractual workers, so we're like television actors and movie actors. Where and voice you do your project, voiceover yeah. artists, you do yeah. your you do your work. You have your contract, and when the contract is up, you are officially unemployed. <laughs> That's correct. I always tell <laughs> people you have back to back to back to back everything back to back, and that and and I have had spurts of that in my life, but I've also mm -hmm. had moments where that wasn't the case. And so you learn to become multifaceted so that you can have other things that you love to do and are passionate about, and you can make money doing when you're not performing. And, um, and, and it has not always been easy, but I've always had what I needed and some of what I wanted, a lot of what I wanted in some cases. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I always tell people that after I do a voiceover, a client has, I, I've talked my, I've talked myself out of work. Actually, you know, uh, uh, I do the job, and then there's no more, and then I got to find the next job. But now, let's talk about your uh, this 
being an opera, uh, opera diva, opera star, uh, you've traveled the world, correct? I have. It's been wonderful. Um, I've been to, I sang with the Krasnoyarsk Philharmonic Orchestra in Krasnoyarsk, Siberia, Russia. Really? In 2015. That was an amazing experience. The people were very lovely. But also, I, I knew and I realized at that time how much we were being paid and how much money that was to the local community. You were being paid in rubles? Right. We, are, we were paid in dollars, in U.S. dollars. But it was 14 to 1. And that's a really big spread. So if it's 14 rubles to $1, then that I can eat, dine at all of the fine restaurants and, and have, you know, buy fur <laughs> and everything else for, for a fraction of the cost that it would be here in the United States and in Europe. So it was, it was when I was paid at the end of the job, um, I, I had almost forgotten about the money, really, because I, they treated us so well and I'd had such a wonderful time. And they gave me my money and I looked at it and in my mind, I automatically, the, my mind calculated how much money it was for them. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is a lot of money. <laughs> but for Americans, you know, it wasn't so much money. But it, it really puts things in perspective when you travel the world and you're able to live so well when you're abroad in some places as an American performer, you know, and, and, and to just see how we are very blessed in this country, even though, you know, we have our problems in this country, right? We have many poor people, we have many homeless people. So we have lots of issues that we need to address in our country. However, we are also very fortunate. Yes as Americans and, the, and the, the United States passports is one of the best passports you can have, hold in the world, right? So I'm always acutely- You just, you just reminded uh, me, I gotta get my mine's expired. Okay. Oh, you must, you must, you have to be ready, right? Someone may call you for a job somewhere else, you never know. That's right. Yeah, but um, you know, it's traveling around the world just keeps you humble as well. And, and yes, it is glamorous. There's a glamorous aspect to it, but it's also very humbling at, at, at the same time. So, so aside from Russia, you've been where else? I've been to, I've sung in Italy several times, um, Austria, Germany, France, Norway. Mm. I've not performed in Norway, but I've visited Norway. Um, my performing took me to Zimbabwe which was amazing. It was wonderful. I sang at the Harare International Music Festival, uh, which was just, I don't know, when I got the call, someone called me out of the blue and said, are you Marsha Thompson? I was given your number, given your number by Cherry Duke. And I said, Cherry Duke, I haven't heard that name in years. It's a singer who used to live in New York and she knew these people and she gave them my number. And they said, yes, they said, uh, we want to invite you to sing at the Harare International Music Festival in Zimbabwe. And I said, who is this again? <laughs> and, I said, and I said, you want me to go to Africa? And I said, what are the dates? And we started having this conversation and I'm thinking, is it safe? So I was reading, cause you go, 
on the, the on the on the website mm-hmm. for the, the the United States State Department, and you want to make sure that you're going to be that everything's going to be safe once you go to a place if they have any current conflicts going on. Because I wasn't sure. I mean, I knew they had had you know conflicts from time to time um, in Zimbabwe, but when I went, it was just wonderful, and the people are just amazing, beautiful people. Um, uh, were treated well. And of course, you know, in Africa, in, in most, in many parts of Africa, but, but in Zimbabwe, um, you know, there are, of course are lots of people living in a state in which is, in which we have not seen in this country since the 1950s in yeah, rural yeah. America in the 1950s, 1940s. So again, it keeps you humble and, and focused on, on being grateful for what we have here in this country. Do you have any upcoming performances? I do. I have a performance um, that at John Jay College here in New York City, my, locally, I'm gonna speak about those performances. Um, I am singing for the Wilbur Mora Memorial a young gentleman and his colleague who were shot to death here in Harlem Ooh. a few weeks ago uh, in the domestic dispute that they responded to. So they're having a wonderful, beautiful memorial for him at John Jay College. And I will be performing with the John Jay College Chorus, which a lot of people don't know that there is a chorus at our John Jay College institution that trains many of our uh, police officers here in the city. That's so what I have, thought it was for. I never thought they had a performing uh, component. They have a performance class. They do have a choral performance class at John Jay. So I'll be performing with their choir and I'm singing uh, um, La Vergine dell'Angeli, The Virgin of the Angels. Oh, that sounds uh, good. That is from the opera uh, La Forza del Destino, The Force of Destiny by Giuseppe <laughs> Verdi. And I will also be singing the Ave Maria from the opera Otello, which is by Verdi. Yeah, I bet you it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. They're both with chorus. And uh, I'm looking forward to that performance. Yeah, you know, I love doing community performances like that. I love being able to give date? back to them. What'd you say? Would you give uh, us a, a date so we'll know when, uh, you know? Yes, that performance will be... May 15th, if I'm not mistaken. So I'll give it to you so that you can also post it on the website. Most definitely, most definitely. And and then I have another performance here in New York City, uh, which will be in May as well, Mm -hmm. with a woman named Donna Donna Wang, and she, Wangman Friedman, Wang Friedman rather, and she's a pianist and she was, she's Asian American and she was attacked last year here in New York. And she came up with this concept of women coming together in performance and celebrating our diversity and our differences, but also celebrating our um, love of culture and, and coming together as musicians celebrating our diversity, but also our similarities. So that's an upcoming concert I have here in New York. And then this fall, I have a very, very big debut and I'm announcing it on your show, I guess. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> I haven't announced it publicly, but it will be my debut, my my debut in this role and a big house debut for me in a foreign country. I think that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But, but you'll I, have to let me know so I can let uh, our audience know as well at some point. I will let you know. I, I can't really announce it yet because it hasn't been announced by the opera company yet. I see. And I so see. usually we're not allowed to announce until they announce. I got you. Well, it's too yeah. bad we don't. Too bad we don't have a Harlem Opera House or anything like that. Is, is there anything? Uh, in, They're working in, on it. They're they working are. On it. They are. There are. So, have you know a Harlem Opera Theater? Where I've performed with Harlem Opera Theater several times. They usually perform in the Anthony Davis Hall or they perform at the Schomburg Hall. Oh. Okay. And uh, and they and they also used to do we also used to do performances at Convent Avenue Baptist Church. Gregory Hopkins, mm -hmm. who is the organist and music director at Convent Avenue Baptist Church, is the 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 general director of the opera company. And Harlem Opera Theater, along with Harlem Chamber Players and maybe one or two other entities, I'm not sure, they are working. On a, on a collaboration as we speak. And they, and Harlem Chamber Players has presented opera before, but in concert. So we are, we, they are working together with also the Mount Morris Park Foundation organization. And hopefully we will have some opera produced in Harlem by black organizations. <laughs> at the band shell in Mount Morris Park. So I'm, I'm, my fingers crossed, keep your, let's, let's hope that everything works out. For, Fantastic. For well, you know, this has been wonderful. We, we've got less than two minutes left, uh, but, okay. but this has been wonderful. I mean, uh, who would have ever thought I'd have Marsha Thompson and her laundry man uh, on my show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so awful. I apologize, I apologize to the audience. Please forgive me. I mean, it's just, I don't, wow. I just don't understand, you know, but it, but it, it makes a good happen. TV. <laughs> it makes a good, good, good TV. So I, I just want to thank you so very, very much. And uh, you will um, uh, have your page on Harlem America where folks will be able to go and, and, and listen to you actually perform and sing some of your wonderful uh uh, 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 songs, arias, and uh, do, do we get to see you die or anything like that? No, we don't get to see you die. No. So in opera, it's kind of hard to get full length performances recorded and, 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 and to get those recordings from the mm -hmm. opera company. <laughs> they like to put those recordings in archives and keep them from their, for their own promotional purposes. So I don't have a lot of video from my work and I'm, I'm a little disappointed about the fact that a lot of opera companies don't release some of that to the audience at least clips of our work right well we'll, we'll see your but we're going to work on that we're working on that these days and it has to do with the with the union contracts that the orchestras oh, have gotcha. so that's why we don't get those recordings so so often so readily so easily so let us say it's been my pleasure and thank you so very, very much for, I know you're very busy and you could have done anything else you, you know, uh, other than be here today, but you chose to be with us and I thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, thank please uh, remember to follow Marsha Thompson on uh, social media after you go to her website and we'll be back next week with more 
for you on What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And uh, don't judge your brother or sister too harshly if you walk the mile in his or her shoes. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.